I'm Zach. I'm a musician, a former worship leader. I helped destroy Mars Hill Church. I'm not really sure what I believe anymore, and I am okay with that. I'm Dave. I'm an occasional preacher, a Bible nerd and theology nerd, a movie buff, and I'm an evangelical. Uh, I don't have a joke. Sorry, Dave. I don't. I don't have one this time. Uh, I was trying to think of one too, but I blanked. Yeah, this is Veterans of Culture Wars. <laughs> Veterans of Culture Wars is a podcast where we have conversations about evangelical Christianity. Welcome you to the podcast, whether you are a believer or not. And as uh, you longtime listeners know, or occasional listeners or whatever, um, we also sometimes talk about evangelical Christianity and movies. And this is another occasion for that tonight. Uh, we are honored to have on the podcast for this episode a film critic and writer, and he is also the co-host of a movie podcast, Linoleum Knife. I had to practice saying that. I love the podcast. Zach and I are huge fans of this podcast. I told Zach I listened to, you know, I think like four movie podcasts, and this is one of them. Uh, so this podcast, they, they recently they just put up out an episode actually today. Uh, reviewing the Marvels, the Delinquents, it's a wonderful knife, what happens later, the innocent, the blackening. So make sure you all go check that out. He co-hosts it with his husband, Alonzo uh, Theralde, who has been a past guest on this show. Dave White, one of the coolest voices also in podcasts out there. <laughs> Love the voice, the physicality of the voice. It's great. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for Thanks for having me. Thank you. And uh, we should we should note that uh, we were invited back in April, April, yep. I want to say, on, on, yep. on your podcast to talk about the not yet a massive hit at that time movie, Jesus Revolution, yeah. um, as we did not live through that era, but somehow know a fair amount about it mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and have this podcast talking about issues related to it. And that was a really good time. And, and it sounded like you got some good feedback from, from folks on that, that I remember you reading a letter or two on, on the next episode about it. So yeah. we we're really happy to be able to do that. It was, it was super fun. When, when the evangelical movies come out, and and we cover them. We always get a lot of feedback <laughs> from that. More so, so than other movies that you guys cover. Quite, I, I, yeah, because it's a thing that that lots of people have in common. You know, it's sort of like you know, if we're talking about uh, 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 the latest film from you know uh, uh, Christian Munju, so like a Romanian director or something. Not a lot of feedback from that. People will listen and say, "Oh, I'm going to put that on my list," and maybe they're going to watch it. But there's not a common, a commonly held experience like there is in the United States with so many people who were uh, raised in uh, some sort of religious tradition, especially very conservative, particularly evangelical, you know, religious tradition. And so 
when that happens, people have a response. They they want to tell us. They want to tell us what they what they went through, how how they related to the film, whether it was garbage, the movie itself or not, and it almost always is. Um, <laughs> and so that's the well, that's the problem with the evangelical movies that that have proliferated recently is that the, very few of them are worth seeing or listening to or acknowledging the the existence of so yeah you know and this isn't an evangelical movie but zach was telling me last night about this movie oh, that's yeah. produced by sean hannity yeah i got the, i got and the zach, you gotta, this. yeah let, let me yeah I'll, you gotta I'll run this, this by in. him well i want to preface this but 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 just saying you know if you're into art house stuff then i imagine you have an appreciation of of outsider art as well mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. if if people that have a pretty well-rounded appreciation of, of the universe of art tend to appreciate outsider stuff. And, you know, for people not familiar with that term, um, tough to define, I suppose, but generally uh, uh, art made by people that were not uh, trained in that medium specifically that sort of taught themselves generally, usually um, – it's the sort of stuff that, that people can point at and say, ah, the craft of this is poor, th therefore it is terrible. And then, but others could look at it and find um, a really personal um, uh, expression happening within that. And I think that a lot of times religious art can be a type of outsider art. You tend to have a lot of unskilled people, you know, churches that get just whoever they can to come together and make something and it can i think i think it's possible for there to be a perfect storm where something can be made that that is really compelling and interesting in its unique vision you know i think there's there's a reason that people keep watching like a thief in the night um I don't think sure, it's necessarily yes. a great movie, but it is compelling in its own way. It, you it's know, very effective. Yeah. Um. And 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 so, like, there, there's a podcast out there that I really like called Boys Bible Study, where they exclusively watch uh, religious. I'm going to say 95 percent of the time it's Christian films, and and try to take them seriously, and and talk about pros and cons but it's you know what one of the guys was was instrumental with the uh everything is terrible group of folks that like <laughs> dig dig through old vhs tapes right. and find weird stuff you know so it's that sort of a thing and and we've talked with them about coming on sometime but so i that is to say um as i have learned to appreciate that stuff and i and i have for much of my adult life I I have eschewed this idea of so bad it's good and embrace that like if you like something like it sincerely mm -hmm. if it is if it is entertaining if it has something particularly interesting about it then that then that is good that that has some value and so when I hear about these evangelical movies coming out a very there's not much of me that wants to see them because because my experience has been normally it's 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 not so so bad so so charmingly um poorly made but 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 interesting <laughs> that it's fun it's just mediocre and bad and it's not fun to watch 
but there's just something about the word salad of the description of this thing that kind of pulls me in and i'm Aww. sorry but here's here's a, a description the, the the film is called jingle smells <laughs> oh is, that's that's appealing it, yeah it is produced by sean hannity Mm-hmm. Uh, the film features war vet Nick Gutman, played by Ben Davies, who is forced to take a job with his dad's quirky garbage men buddies who are hired to conduct a wild secret mission, destroying perfectly good toys by Christmas Eve. These popular toys were pulled from the shelves after the film star played by James Storm uh, that they are based on is canceled for his patriotic views. Instead of destroying them, Nick takes on the secret identity jingle smells and becomes a Robin Hood of holidays. Uh, Jingle Smells also <laughs> stars Jim Brewer, Victoria Jackson, Dylan Postel, Postel, it's a WWE thing apparently, uh, Christian comedian Brad Stein who shows up in a lot of these, uh, uh, Jacqueline Stapp, Sean Hannity, and features a special appearance by the Jay Seculo Band and a special voice appearance uh, by Governor Mike Huckabee. Uh, Jay Seculo uh, was like one of Trump's lawyers. <laughs> he's 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 cool. he's been a lawyer for the far right for a long it's time. The, yeah, the ACLJ. He's um, or I think he heads up that, which is kind of the religious rights version of the ACLU. Yeah. Uh. So, I I mean that looks pretty clearly terrible. Something <laughs> about it kind of compels me, but You're then curious, though, aren't you? I yeah. just I gotta draw the line of like, well, I don't want to give any money to these people uh, um, every time you walk into a target you're giving money to somebody that's doing something horrible so if you spend three dollars <laughs> renting this this uh sean hannity uh, is it a christmas movie um it's a then, christmas it sounds movie. like it yeah oh yeah and then sure like who cares just, just spend the money watch it sate your curiosity yeah okay <laughs> i'm not going to um <laughs> Alonzo might have to if he, oh, you know, no, the, the, the Christmas no. movie guy. Is, is Alonzo a fan of the Jay Seculo band? He would, Alonzo <laughs> would, would look at that and say, you know what? There are some things that even I won't do. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, no, like, I, okay. The, going to your, your point of films that are outsider films, particularly religious outsider films, you're right. To, to view something ironically uh, from a perch is you're wasting your own time. Mm-hmm. You're, you're proving nothing to anyone except you're, you're helping yourself feel cooler than everything else around you. But if you watch something like, as you mentioned earlier, A Thief of the Night, which is a weird, weird movie, and it's weird not because it's low budget and not because it's made by non-professionals. It's weird because all of these things came together to make something memorable. Yep. Yeah. There is, there is a film that Alonzo and I refer to quite often and it's a, an outlandishly crazy Christian movie from several years back called see me dance. And it's the letter boys Bible study. Yeah. It's the letter (laughs) C Uh the letter C uh, it stands for Christ. It stands for cancer. It stands for Christmas. It's all three <laughs> at once. Whoa. It is absolutely bonkers, and 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 a, 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 it adheres to no theology that I have ever heard of in my life, and I've heard of a lot of them. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> it is. 
a crazy movie made by crazy people. And therefore, we have seen it a few times. We actually own the DVD. We <laughs> we look at it, and every time it is every time we see it, uh, we see new depths of weird. And so that is the kind of outsider film I think that is worth watching. It is entertaining and it contains an element of mystery because what you're looking at when you're watching it is something you'll never quite know. Like you don't know who made it really. You don't know why they made it. You don't know what they were thinking and you'll never find out because it's not like anyone's going around interviewing them and saying, Hey, remember that, that great movie you made about <laughs> the, the girl with cancer who could turn people Christians, whether they wanted to be or not simply by touching them. And it was Christmas and she had to fight the devil and the devil comes and she beats him up like Buffy, the vampire slayer. And then on Christmas day, she dies the end that, and I, and none of to you is a spoiler it's just a selling point i don't believe in spoilers so crazy that you when you see this film you'll think i have to talk to the person who made this movie because i have to understand what they were thinking yeah i have watched the trailer a couple times for that one yeah Uh, i I have not yeah i haven't seen it i should check i should check that out (laughs) (laughs) my recommendation my my oh, wife and I yeah. bonded early when we were dating over. She had a VHS copy of uh, Apocalypse Two Revelation, I think it was called, and it involved a uh, in a, it was an eschatology end times thing. But uh, the uh, the Antichrist was able to take over uh, through gigantic VR headsets. Uh, <laughs> oh my! And I think Carol Alt. Uh, had a role in it Uh, and jeff fahey um yeah that was that was a lot of fun i've since found out there's like five in that series of course um fantastic though if you can imagine (laughs) a film it's somebody's favorite yeah somebody's (laughs) you gotta start dating somebody then be like i need to show you this movie yeah like and that's what (laughs) it is like yes (laughs) There you go. <laughs> I'm on board for the long haul. Absolutely. <laughs> now, Dave, um, I, I'm curious about your own story. Um, did you um were you raised in kind of a, a, a conservative evangelicalism, fundamentalism? And did you see a thief of the night at some point in the late 70s, 80s? I didn't see a thief of the night until well after I left the church. Um, oh wow, okay. It was not part of our church's thing there were other movies that were shown in church at that time uh but i was not raised in it um oh interesting okay i did my family had no religious affiliations at all uh but what we did have was lots of wild dysfunction and therefore my oldest brother and this was the 1970s this was the the movie jesus revolution that when y'all were on linoleum knife and, and we all talked about jesus revolution that film is exactly minus Lonnie Frisbee's actual life. There needs, yeah. by the way, can I address this for just a second? There needs yeah. to be a movie about Lonnie Frisbee and not about beyond the uh, documentary. Greg, I can't even remember his last name now. Um, Greg Glory. Greg Glory. Yeah. Greg Glory. There needs to be a movie about Lonnie Frisbee that is, you know, uh, something beyond that documentary that we also, I think, discussed. Uh, because he was fascinating and he is 
I'd love to use this word in relationship to evangelicals. He is a rebuke <laughs> to their version of events, mm-hmm. which is a lot of lies. And so, um, and it's a tragic story and one where he was done dirty by everybody he knew. So anyway, I did not grow up uh, in, I did. I was not raised by conservative evangelical parents. Uh, I was raised by parents who did not know what they were doing. <laughs> and so my oldest brother started hanging around with these kids from a youth group. And, you know, they're like, come to church, come to church. It'll be fun. You'll like it. And so they did. He did. And he became a Christian. And as our family was sort of falling apart, he started taking me and my little brother to church with him. He was going to rescue us from the craziness of the house. And so now was this in Southern California? Were you kind of this was in New England? I was born oh, okay. in the Northeast. Uh you gotcha. cannot tell from the way I talk because I spent the majority of my life in Texas and New Mexico. Uh, that's a whole other side story that is not interesting here. Uh, but we wound up there. My mom is from the South. My dad was from the Northeast. Okay. Things break apart. You wind up moving to lots of different places. So anyway, he started taking, my oldest brother started taking us to church with him. And I remember being a little kid watching Davy and Goliath cartoons on TV. Mm-hmm. Again, this is the early 1970s. I was born in 1964. Well, they kept and, airing him. <laughs> and he, uh, uh, the thing about Davy and Goliath that I never understood is that they were routinely talking about God all the time. I didn't understand that the church, that the, that the Lutherans made Davy and Goliath. <laughs> um, but the, they, they, they were such a nice, happy family, and they went to church all the time. And that was in my head. I'm like five years old thinking, well, they go to church on Davy and Goliath. Those are nice people, and nice people go to church. If we go to church, we will be nice people. And so I was like, sure, I'll go to church. That seems fun, and they do it on Davy and Goliath. So this is what I decided to do with my oldest brother. Um, and a Sunday school teacher uh, at the time who was a senior in high school she told me that if I uh, uh, died in my sleep, that I would go to hell if I wasn't a Christian, and that here's the prayer that I could pray so that when I would die, I would go to heaven. And I would think, oh, no, I don't want to die in my sleep. I'm nine. And so I, and when, if I do die in my sleep, I want to go to heaven. I don't I have no idea what any of this means. I just don't want to go to hell because that's not something a nine-year-old wants. And uh, so I prayed the prayer, and I became a Christian, and and I and I and I became a Christian a few more times <laughs> as I was, you know, becoming a teenager. It's like, you know what? I don't think I did it right that first time. And and they they love to tell you that you aren't you, you probably didn't do it right the first time, unless you experienced this great, you know, uh, blooming of of the Holy Spirit at again, age nine, uh, that you probably didn't do it right. So you should do it again. And then maybe she'd get baptized. And so like, I think I got saved like three times throughout my childhood. Each time I was more convinced that it had taken, like it was going to stick this time. And that I, I, I had not done it wrong the first time, or maybe I had, but it didn't matter because I had finally done it the right, right way. The first, the third time, um, by the time I graduated from high school, I was deeply in 
Southern Baptist uh, Church and then an independent fundamentalist Baptist Church, which was not the same thing as the Southern Baptists. I was soon. Yeah, it's even it's even more hardcore than the Southern Baptists. It was the late seventies, early eighties, and I got plunged into the independent fundamentalists, who again. It was just the beginning of the 80s. So the word fundamentalist had not yet become uh, uh, a horrible thing to call yourself. Yeah, it wasn't a pejorative. It was just a descriptive. It, yeah. I mean, that comes yes. from a series of books called The Fundamentals yep. uh, that these folks would say, yes, we agree with the things that are in there. Yep. So we are yep. fundamentalists. Yeah. yeah, and they were. And that was the earlier 1900s, yeah, when those yeah. came and out. That's when things started to uh, butt up against me and I began to be a little privately rebellious, you know, not not enough to get caught. <laughs> I did. I didn't do anything I wasn't supposed to do. You know, like I wasn't smoking and I wasn't drinking and I wasn't partying and I wasn't using drugs and I wasn't having teenage sex. One thing that's cool about being an evangelical <laughs> and or fundamentalist in the 80s, if you're in the closet and trying really hard not to be queer <laughs> is is. No one expects you to be having sex with anybody in the first place, much less someone of the same sex. And so, you're 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 you have such a good hiding place. Yep. You are so <laughs> you are so oppressed and so miserable, but you are so comfortable hiding in that in the little box they've made for you. So I just I so good at controlling your your they hormones around really the girls. Are. Yeah. Oh, so good at it. <laughs> I was their best friend. I was the, I was I was every girl's best friend. And so um the uh and I I actually told this a longer version of this story uh on two other Christian podcasts. Well, oh, one wow. other Christian podcast uh called Good Christian Fun, which is like a comedy podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. And then on a queer podcast called The Sewers of Paris, which is about uh, pop culture and other culture that shapes gay men's, queer men's lives. Hmm. What saved me from being saved in the 80s was punk rock. Mm, okay. It came along and I latched onto it and it gave me an opportunity and a reason and 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 a, and a venue to disobey because as the 80s went on and as i became more firmly embedded in the world of of the punk rock subculture and the more politically minded i became the more politically aware i became and the more my natural sort of like nobody had to teach me to be liberal progressive etc it was just the way i was going to be and so around 1884, the 1984 election in First Baptist Church, Lubbock, Texas, where I was going to school at the time, somebody got up uh, and talked about the election and talked about how uh, we cannot let Walter Mondale win this election. And I remember thinking, but I'm voting for him. Hmm. So is there something wrong with me here? Like, am I the problem? Or is your political agenda trying to marry itself to your spiritual one? Right. And and honestly, mine was doing the same thing. 
like I was still, I had this one foot in, in this very conservative evangelical uh, world. And then I had one foot in this leftist, you know, uh, musical subculture world. Uh, and there was a little bit of a, a little bit of a fight going on there. I didn't know which one I needed more. And over time, I realized which one was definitely winning. And and my need eventually also to come out of the closet by the end of the 1980s, uh, that, that took over everything. Because you get so... There's a writer, his name is Paul Manette. He wrote a book called Becoming a Man. And he's dead now. He he passed away uh, from AIDS in the early 90s. Oh, no. He, he described uh, being in the closet as uh, very much like being buried alive. Hmm. And that in that, he described it that way in that book. And I remember reading that book and thinking, yeah, that is what that is. That's exactly how that feels. You can't move. You can't breathe. You can't do anything or you'll be discarded by this group of folks. Yeah. But I had to do it. I had to. There was no choice. I There was no choice but to become an honest person and say what was real and, and speak up and say, I'm sorry, y'all, I've been lying to you this whole time because I didn't want you to hate me, but now I don't care if you hate me. <laughs> Sorry, I don't anymore. Uh, but I gotta go. I gotta go be who I am here. Um, and it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with sex. It has everything to do with not being a liar anymore. I need to be less of a liar because, by your rules, I shouldn't right. be lying anyway, right? So right. here we go. Uh, and that was that. I have about half a dozen friends from that time in my life still who are my friends uh and everybody else was like can't know you anymore it was that uh, was it was it was that way i'm and so sorry i have no regrets uh, from that uh those people who stuck with me are beautiful people and they some of them uh even attended uh, uh a wedding that i had with alonzo and so that was wonderful as well so i'm lucky that that there are Christians who have been in my life for decades and who still uh, see that I have value. Wow, that's that's really powerful. I'm um, I'm interested in your the political awakening, the 1984 that you were talking about. So, you know, yeah. Reagan won that election. I think didn't he win like 49 states? I mean, that's almost uh, yeah. It was unheard kind of, of. Land, it was kind of an unprecedented yeah. landslide. Yes, it was. It was my first election <laughs> voting too. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and that's. I mean, it's so wild. That was 1984, and then things were. You know, I mean, we're we're much used to the very close and anybody can win kind of. Right. You know, the yeah. last 25, 30 years or whatever. Right. Um, but punk rock was influencing you politically. Um, the baby boomer generation, not to date you, but you know, they. It seems like there was such interesting things happening in the 60s and into the 70s. Um. But then, you know, the baby boomers and especially the religious right and conservatives, they may have voted for Jimmy Carter, but then coalesced around Ronald Reagan in 1980. Yeah. Um, 
so they started going, you know, the direction, uh, the Republican Party and and what it would become. That's kind of the at least the beginnings of the modern incarnation of of what's happening now. Um, but what, ruined what, everything. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my father-in-law, who, who's actually a worship pastor, would say the same thing that I hope he doesn't mind me saying that. But uh, he would say the same thing that you're saying. Uh, yeah. he, I, I feel like he's one of the ones you're one of the ones that didn't. I guess the word is sell out, you know, it, and I'm interested in what were the ideas that were compelling you uh, your first election as a young person listening to the punk rock? What were the things that you were passionate about that that led you down that direction? Well, the music at first was simply a, a venue for my this like rage that I had inside that I was not allowed to express. Um, and if you ask anybody who got into punk rock in the late seventies, early eighties, it was like I was a very angry kid, <laughs> and that's kind of where that came from. Um, but I remember Ronald Reagan becoming president in nineteen eighty, and. Uh, one of the first things I started hearing about on the news was uh, that they were cutting funding for state-run mental hospitals and just turning people out onto the streets. And the homelessness epidemic began to boom in the 1980s. Yeah. And then I heard about how school lunches were being, uh, like, cut the funding for public schools and school lunches being cut and the de the designation of what constituted a vegetable in a school lunch uh came down to ketchup packets and i remember thinking this is what the republicans want why do they want this why what what are they what are they thinking about like what what what, what human being would think this is good and it didn't sit right in my head and i thought well i'm listening to now what walter mondale and geraldine ferraro were saying and back then all i knew was republican and democrat i'm a socialist now i i, I the democrats are not uh, democratic enough for me and so the uh but but back then i thought well if the democrats are saying the things that i think align more with what i believe you know and even though I was a part of a, uh, a Southern Baptist church and then an independent fundamentalist Baptist church, I had not yet heard anybody speak openly about political affiliations in those churches because the, 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 the big, you know, mass of people in the United States, they were still sort of managing to keep these things sort of separate with themselves. I don't know why it used to be different but it is not the same now and when i heard the guy in 1984 say we can't let walter mondale become president i thought oh so we are all supposed to start thinking the way you think about this right i remember also the anti-abortion movement got very heavily under and I remember listening to, uh, I think it was, a, it was some kind of documentary, and I don't remember what it was called, but it was about uh, the economic divide between who got to get abortions and who didn't get to get abortions. So it, it became fairly, you know, uh, uh, 
understandable to me pretty quickly that if out, if abortion were to be outlawed, if Roe versus Wade were to be outlawed, a rich woman could still get an abortion because you could just get an abortion because you could pay for anybody to do it for you. A poor woman would not be able to get an abortion. And to outlaw it would not out would not stop abortion. It would just make abortion unsafe because abortion's been around since biblical times. <laughs> and oh, sure. and and you're never going to make it stop. You're only going to make it easy for people with with means and access and difficult and deadly for people with not means and not access. And so I made the really stupid at the time error of saying in a in a southern baptist church sunday school class i'm pro-choice <laughs> well in I, I think it was a 1968 praying for me i got put uh, on the prayer <laughs> list there they, you lifted go. Me, they lifted me up <laughs> the prayer chain phone to phone yeah i'm curious about what bands you were into um oh, i will tell you I, initially when i was in high school i was like the one punk rock kid in my high school mm -hmm. <laughs> at first and so and it was all because i saw the b52s on saturday night live in 1979 their oh. very first tv appearance uh -huh. and they they just sounded crazy and they had the women had giant wigs and they were screaming and ricky and wilson thought, is one of the most underrated guitarists oh, yeah. ever absolutely mm -hmm. incredible another early aids casualty just and before they became out. a band that you would hear at anyone's wedding, they were weird, weird, weird. And yeah. so I went out the very next day and I bought that their first album. I was like 14 and I uh, and I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea what sounds were going to be on that record other than the Rock Lobster song that they performed on Saturday Night Live. And and it really shaped my head in a new way uh from that moment on if the record had a weird album cover <laughs> i and and the band had a weird name i would buy it so um and it, it wasn't because there was there was still not yet mtv mtv had not come along yet uh music videos were not really a thing yet um you did not hear any of this kind of stuff on anyone any on any radio station uh you had to just think to yourself I want the weird stuff. I want this thing that set. I want, does it sound like this or maybe not like this, but just as weird in a whole other way Then I want that. Um, eventually I got into the hardcore bands that became really where I found my, my, my full expression <laughs> was with bands like black flag and the Minutemen and Husker Du mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, a million other was circle jerks, all these other bands X, um and so i uh uh that was a that was a step again with the evangelicals that was a step too far um they thought it was kind of cute and weird and quirky if you liked b52s and talking heads and devo and uh but if you listen to this screaming noise that sounded like someone was going to come burn down your house <laughs> they're going to lift you up in prayer <laughs> again. <laughs> and so that's, 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 that's where that went to. And I saw all those bands live back in the day too. So, and my, I have no hearing left uh, to prove it. So.
Yeah, I I never got into too much '80s hardcore. Definitely a big post punk guy. You saying East Coast, I was thinking of Mission of Burma, yeah. um, who I did get to see about 15 years ago in Seattle. Uh, uh, yeah, I love I love that sort of 79 to 81, 82 era. Um, you know, this heat is is a oh, big, yeah. big 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 one for me. Yeah. Somebody showed me them when I was 18, and just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that music does it makes you see, it reorients the way you hear and see things um anything that comes out of out of the sky like it's hitting you with a force that's that's what's gonna that's what's gonna do it for you at the and, same time in the 80s boy did i love amy grant yeah <laughs> yeah i still love amy grant she's unassailable she took what was good about the seventies in the, in the world of evangelicals. And she brought it into the eighties and she held the line of kindness and thoughtfulness and goodness. And she did not once ever become a screaming maniac telling you what was wrong with you and how much you deserved to go to hell. She was never that person. And she's yeah. still that person. Now she's a real one. <laughs> And has always been. Yeah. She yeah, just I think um she, she, she showed up in Tennessee with Cheryl Crow asking for uh gun control and gun regulation, I think, yes. after the horrific school shooting out there. Sorry, yeah. Zach. And she's she's you know affirming of LGBTQ folks. I've I have yeah. a I have a friend uh who is a lesbian who has played in her backing band uh, on several occasions. Yeah. Um yeah, everything I've heard is great. And yeah, it, it is weird how her her it's impossible to dislike her. My, I, I, in college, I worked at a record shop and my boss was this Rasta from New York. They would talk about how he had his kids pick the seeds out of his weed. And, uh, <laughs> and my parents had this worship leader supply store and my, my, my boss, rich man, he said his name was, but that wasn't really his name. Um, <laughs> he, he just thought that she was like, the the most amazing woman ever and i knew that my parents had like this very large poster uh of her at their at their store so i was yeah. able to take it and give it to him and um that that went a long way for me at work um, but it was just always so so surprising to me that somebody like that would be really into amy grant but how yeah. can you dislike her no she's great Everybody was that old Sarah Lee cakes commercial. Everybody doesn't nope. like something. Yeah, but nobody yeah. doesn't like Sarah Lee. Nobody doesn't exactly. like Amy Grant. Yeah. Now, I I thought that I recall you having beyond the the Baptist and Independent Baptist uh, background, having some uh, charismatic uh, church that background, was the, like some that vineyard was the 70s or something. Stuff. Yeah. Okay, so where you started was with that. I was kind of wondering because mm -hmm. you know in the seventies. You know that movement started on the West Coast. It was very much a California thing. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of wondering if your if your brother found this, if if that was it, like if your whole family are sort of have countercultural instincts and and yeah, look yeah. for weird stuff. You know, I also think of the East Coast as being like really heavily Catholic, and yeah. so charismatic churches in the seventies are probably not yeah. a very common thing at all. This was a, an Assembly of God church, okay, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and. Yeah, those kids, they had their, you know, they all had those little coffee houses mm -hmm. in the 70s. 
those kids would bring my brother to that coffee house, all ages, you know, no booze. And they was just playing folk music and stuff. And they sold records at this little coffee house. They were on it real fast. My brother started bringing home those Larry Norman records. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. I was like, uh, no, 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 no. This guy frightens me and he sounds upset. And I'm not interested in this at all. <laughs> I have Partridge Family Records to be listening to. I'm seven years old. <laughs> so the um but yeah, that was it was it was very much a uh you know, speaking in tongues, you know, uh laying hands on you to heal you of stuff kind of church. Uh and so yeah, we I I cycled through a lot of different uh uh versions of evangelical Christianity. And yeah, that's that was the initial the initial phase was my oldest brother got hooked up with Assembly of God kids. Right. So yeah, they're they're gonna be very into the speaking in tongues and the mm-hmm. prophecy and yeah. healing. Yeah. Uh, you know, in quotes, healing, <laughs> you know, you, you, yeah. you, you've talked uh, on your podcast and you've talked with us before we, we started about some, you know, health issues that, that, that you've been dealing with and stuff. And just kind of wonder if you ever, have you considered, you know, you're waiting <laughs> for, for regular medicine to, re- to, re- to be ready, hip, but have you considered coming, but maybe yeah, someone I mean, could just anoint me. Yeah. Have you thought about oil. maybe just, just checking out a, a yeah, assemblies uh, of God church again, you know, just sort of look, see what happens. I've got a whole weekend to kill before the surgery <laughs> on Monday. So I'll get right down to, uh, does Calvary chapel still exist? Yeah, it does. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll head down there this weekend. Orange County is such a great uh, place. And <laughs> oh, yeah. Who doesn't love it? But, you know, yeah, check yeah. check it out. And if it doesn't work, just remember, it's your fault for not having enough faith. That's right. You that's know? right. That is correct. <laughs> oh, oh, no. oh, that's no. awful. It's all my fault. I've, I've, that, that's one of the things I learned very quickly <laughs> when I was growing up. It's all my fault. So, oh, uh but yeah, no, you know, like I said, fortunately it changed. And I uh when the when that music came along and my political awareness grew, um I also happened to stumble into a Methodist student uh, group uh on the Lubbock, Texas, Texas Tech campus called the Wesley Foundation. Oh. They had some of the coolest people uh running that place that I've ever met. Uh, and they were thinking people. And so I started finding, uh, liberation theologians, uh, Mm. to read. And, uh, there used to be these two very lefty progressive Christian magazines in the eighties. One was called the other side and one was called sojourners. Um, and I started reading, reading those. I mean, like, aha, here are the people who are being, what I think I am, uh, but they are expressing themselves politically in a way that I think is moral and good. And so it all led to that. Yeah. It all, it all just sort of snowballed into that. So yeah, I never once was a conservative. I never, I never bought any of that part of it. And that's, that, that actually does hasten your departure when you don't, you know, jump in. Um, the minute you, the, the minute you don't, uh, participate in, you know, increasingly conservative right wing, uh, narratives, the, the faster they will, uh, say goodbye to you. I, I have found that to be true. 
Yeah. yeah. And I, I was never uh, politically conservative either. 2000 was my first election. I voted for Nader. Yeah. Um, and for some reason, I think my parents just thought, well, it's a good thing that he's engaged. Um, right. but he'll right. probably grow out of it. You know, they always say, you know, if you're, if you're young and you're, you know, not a liberal, you don't have a heart. And if you're old and, and not a conservative, you don't have a brain or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Which I is the most that. condescending bullshit ever. I'll be, I'll be 60 years old next year. And one of the things I like to say to my family is I'm a communist now. And that, uh, that so when you get to have a heart and a brain that rouse them up. <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of inverted from what Zach said. I was the conservative, and then you know I found my way more to the progressive side. Yeah, you know, especially you know the the Donald Trump nomination kind of hastened whatever last strands. Yeah, over to the other side. That that became a real line in the sand for uh, not just me, but you know many people. So yeah. Yeah, a lot of people were affected by that. Yeah. Do you still would you still um call yourself religious or spiritual in a way? Do you do you ha- still have any religious I belief? would say that uh initially when I had to when I came out and had to leave, you know, when the when the door was opened for me to walk out of, uh I would say I'm a Christian still, but I can't be around y'all anymore. And since then, I've become a person who says, you know what, I was burned to a crisp by this entire enterprise. So what if we just never talk about it again? <laughs> how Except about I go on not even, that, how, not, even, not even when we agree to disagree. Let's agree to just go, shh. <laughs> I believe in taking care of other people as best I can. Um, and I believe in trying to make sure that with every terrible mistake I make and every person that I hurt along the way in my life, that I do my best to repair that in any way I can, if they'll let me. Um, or and 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 simultaneously work on becoming less and less of a piece of shit. Because what you are meant to do in life is get over your terribleness. You know, all the terrible things that you were taught and raised to think and raised to be, you have to yank those out of yourself bit by bit. And, and while you're doing it, you have to extend as much compassion and care and grace to the people around you as you can possibly manage, even if they are being horrible in your presence even if they're being horrible to you (laughs) that's the trick right so some of that stuff aligns with the red letter christians but then you look at all the red letters and you think i don't know about that one (laughs) you know and so uh, what do i believe i believe in uh, uh uh evolution of the self and of everyone on the planet making peace and i mean when 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 you're talking there about get you know getting rid of all of the the parts of yourself that are, that are you know would hurt other people the, the the shitty parts that 
still to me like sounds like sort of a Christian way of thinking about things. And, uh, but, yeah, but, I mean, what are you what are you gonna do? You're raised in it. You're uh, you're 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 stuck in it. You're stuck in it. You you can get away from it as far as you can get, but part of you is always gonna be kind of stuck in it. You know, you're you're mixed up in it. You're mixed up by it for life. I think part of the difference though is in thinking that in doing that change, you can listen to yourself and your intuition can be good. Yeah. And Christians would, would, would say, no, that is the last thing you could do. You <laughs> cannot listen to yourself because right. your heart's the source of all the badness yeah. anyways. It is deceitful above all things. <laughs> yeah. So all you can do is just know that you're a piece of shit and look and focus on God and he'll change you to become less of that. And eventually somebody will maybe point it out to you like, hey, you're not as much of a peach of shit anymore. <laughs> like, oh, I guess that that was God doing stuff in me. Well, hopefully. Um, but, you know, getting some distance from that, it's like, no, like, like there's there's good in here. There's yeah. good in here. And I can right. listen to myself and yes. my intuition matters. Yeah. Um, and sort of learning to listen to to my my heart and knowing that it has goodness in it, if not is good, um, yeah. is is a is a powerful experience. Uh and more of a difficult process to get there than I thought it would be. Um, but worth it. since we're heading into the Christmas season. Yes. And I know that at least uh, Alonzo, Chris, Christmas is a very big part of the work that he does. He, it's part of his, it's part of his career now. It is an, it is one tentacle of the Alonzo Duralde uh, career universe. Yes. He's, you know, <laughs> flying out to, to appear at, you know, Christmas conventions or whatever mm -hmm. and things like that. Yep. Um, so I'm wondering about what Christmas, uh, what what, how how you handle that if it's something that you enjoy as well, and I'm wondering about if if for you it's totally separate from all the the religious things in your past, and you're able to enjoy it without the baggage of that, or what it's like for you. Um, I like everything about Christmas. We are a Christmas house. Um, nice. There is um. There's a stereotype among queer people that Halloween is the queer holiday, mm -hmm. but we are, uh, we're Christmas people. <laughs> and so we're big fans. We do, we do as much as we can do uh, as big as we can do it. Um, and, uh, his, his professional, uh, associations with, you know, Christmas movies, the books he's written, the conventions and stuff that he goes to, he's on every, if there's a Christmas podcast in the world that has not had him on as a guest yet, I don't know which one it is. It's a terrible podcast. That's <laughs> <what it is. laughs> the, um, yeah, he's that guy. Uh, but the religious aspect of Christmas has weirdly enough, even when I was young and evangelical, it never was a, 
it meant less to me than the fun of it all, than the than the spectacle and the party of it all. That was what mm. I liked the best about it. And that's what I still love about it too. Um, you know, having friends over and cooking for them and and uh you know, I like buying Christmas presents for my friends. It's fun. I don't feel a burden about it. I just like doing it. It's it's great to 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 give your free people you love you want to show them you love them you want to buy them a book or something you know like and most of my friends are readers and so that's a cool gift you like you you have thought about them for five whole minutes and maybe you ordered something online for them and you thought and you and you gave it thought and maybe you learned how to wrap a gift a little better than you used to know how to and and you give it to them and they get to open it up and you get to see them be happy and that's wonderful Mostly I like you, to feed people though. Are you are you somebody that's really drawn to rituals? Um, I just think so, so much of the Christmas stuff for people is the ritual of it. Well, yeah. Um, like there's the, the 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 traditions that you that you build in your own home, uh, we are absolutely about that. You know, like the we we have already because I'm currently a little immobile and not functioning physically very well we've ordered the tree it's going to be delivered here sometime in the next 10 days and and that's going to be great because friends are going to come over and they're going to decorate it and i'm going to sit in my surgery recovery chair and bark orders and that'll be uh, <laughs> that'll be a wonderful day for me i'm planning on <laughs> chopping mine down in two days right on uh my lights are all up uh, and I've been influencing my neighbors. They now have lights as well, and it's yeah. been a wonderful thing. You know, I, I started putting them up Keep November second. <laughs> uh, absolutely, yeah. No, it's just <laughs> it's 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 nice to to add something to the neighborhood. And what one of our neighbors has has a little boy's probably two, and she was telling me the other day when I'd I just put up the lights and I had I had the timer set to go dawn till dusk. And then the next day I changed it to be like eight hours. So it's not going all night. But right. their little guy gets up so early in the morning that apparently first thing he'd do was look outside and see my lights. And he'd just right. yell, on! Uh, <laughs> that oh, means that's there's amazing. lights. And uh, <laughs> so after she told me that, I switched him back to dawn till dusk. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. so he can he can experience that in the mornings. Don't, don't, <laughs> yeah, don't disappoint I, that a, child. That's a really cool story. Wow. It is. I I I love it. I'm I'm a big Christmas guy. Uh, you know, I released a, an album of like during the pandemic. I I pressed on vinyl an album of of Christmas music that I'd oh, wow. originally recorded in 2017. Um, and uh, yeah, I just I I I really really get a kick out of it. And uh, you know, we our family has already gone through about eight half gallons of eggnog oh my <laughs> that's mostly my 12 year old though yeah. <laughs> i put a little in my tea every morning um that's 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 what i do with the oh, eggnog yeah because that's i mean that's like the creamiest cream that creamed and so you uh -huh. put that in your tea and i bet it tastes really good yeah yeah my my, my I'm, a tea, tips. I'm a tea guy too okay i love we're, tea we're more than coffee divided. yeah Alonzo's coffee, I'm tea. Yeah, I'm, never, I'm definitely tea. Never liked coffee, mm -hmm. which in Seattle that doesn't go over well. Yeah, they'll they'll throw you out. Yeah, people are like you want to go get a cup of coffee. I'm like I don't, I don't know. Like, do, will they have tea there? I guess. <laughs> well, be careful when the evangelicals say, "Zach, do you want to grab a cup of coffee?" 
Oh yeah, no, that's, that's yes. Don't never, never. That's say a yes. big yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, so yeah, we should get a cup of coffee sometime. Huh? Yeah, I need to talk about your walk. Uh, yeah, something like that. <laughs> well, um, we're we're coming toward the end of the year, yes. uh, Dave. So you and Alonzo have seen a lot of movies this year that you review on. Yeah the aforementioned podcast that Zach and I are huge, huge fans of um, what stands that, out at this point, if we're not going to take any thunder away from your show, um, what are some of your favorites that come to mind here? You know, that November as we're recording this, um, that you look back fondly on. I, uh, well, the, you know, there, the ones that everybody knows, uh, I was a big fan of Oppenheimer. I was a big fan of killers of the flower moon. Um, I also loved a film by Kelly Reichardt that came out earlier this year uh, called Showing Up, where oh. Michelle Williams plays an artist who's sort of struggling to get her, her her gallery show together. And that's all it's about. And all the sort of wow. complications that come involved, that come along in her life. Uh, it's a very quiet, very thoughtful uh, film. And I don't know that a lot of people went to see it, but I thought it was really, really beautiful and really uh, I like movies that are about small human events. Mm-hmm. And this is totally fits that bill. I mean, that's um, Kelly Reichardt's whole thing, yeah. right? I, I remember seeing old joy at the Seattle international film festival. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's such a small event that the movie itself is like 70 minutes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a very short movie. <laughs> Um, yeah, showing up's on my list to see, but I I didn't get a chance to to go see it. And then I wouldn't be uh I wouldn't be myself, and representing what Linoleum Knife does, I think fairly well, if I didn't speak up for the weird esoteric films of 2023. Please, that I love yes. so much. Um, there's a there's a Spanish director. He's uh, sorry, he's Catalan. Um, director named Albert Serra. And he made a film called Passive Fiction that came out very early in the year. Uh, and it is, a how do I describe this if you've never seen one of his films? This is a David Lynch-esque tale of, you know, post-colonial French Polynesia and the weird hold that people all want to have on it. Um, mm. It is hypnotic and beautiful and there's not a lot of dialogue and it's not for everyone is <laughs> I, I i make the mistake sometimes of just recommending these kinds of films to just anybody <laughs> and right. what i always <laughs> like to say is know yourself <laughs> really <laughs> understand it, are you interested in the weird stuff that that barely plays outside of big cities and outside of those you know uh hardcore art house uh, venues in those cities, then if that's what you're about, then this is a movie for you. Uh, I would say the same thing about a film called Human Flowers of Flesh that is about a woman who gets on a boat and gets sidetracked when she becomes obsessed with the French Foreign Legion. (laughs) And again, if you thought if you if you see passive fiction and you think oh there's not a lot of dialogue in that movie if you see human flowers of flesh there's almost no dialogue in that movie <laughs> um but again hypnotic and just a transfixing experience uh, and 
I recently saw, and I can recommend this one wholeheartedly to anybody, uh, a three-hour heist comedy from Argentina called The Delinquents that we are reviewing on our very latest episode. It is, it is an existential film about the choices people make in the service, in the pursuit of trying to become free and how they make colossal mistakes along the way. Uh, it is all wrapped up in the guise of a heist comedy where the heist is incidental and takes place in like the first five minutes and the rest of the movie is consequences. Oh, that's really interesting because I was trying to think about how they deal with three hours because normally the structure of a heist movie that's the climax. Two two thirds of it are the The preparation for the heist and then you have this long and detailed look at them pulling it off or not and and the 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 yeah. tension of of that question. This so, is about a man who works in a bank and says, "You know what? I'm just going to take a lot of money home." <laughs> huh. Wow. And in the first 10 minutes, he takes a lot of money home and then a whole bunch of stuff happens after that. Yeah. It's great. Uh, okay. Yeah. Since we're in the Christmas season, I got to mention the silent partner to folks oh, yeah. that it also yeah. involves a guy taking some money home from a bank. Yeah. Uh Highly recommended. I think I like these uh, heist, not heist movies. My favorite movie is Bottle Rocket, and a a a That's heist a that example. does not yeah. not nothing gets heisted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, plays plays a pivotal role. That's a centerpiece of of the film. Um, yeah one one movie that I feel like I need to make an admission here, Dave. I think. I, I I listened to the episode of you talking about it, and this this relates to my love of Bottle Rocket, I think. Mm. But um, both you and Alonzo really hated um, the movie Paint. <laughs> oh yeah, we did. We yeah, super, we super hated that. Yeah, you super did. We enthusiastically I, hated I, that movie. I I just I couldn't not hate it. I don't oh, know. Oh. I bought it. Did you? <laughs> I've yet to see it. My whole family really liked it, and. Uh, well, this is I what's think, interesting about the way people watch movies. It's an entirely it, subjective experience, and there is no objective reality. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, and especially when it comes to comedies and people's yeah. sense of, of yeah. what is funny and what tone yeah. uh, they can get on the wavelength of. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of times, like, like with that one, I think a lot of people probably had the the problem of expectations of thinking it was going to be a really close parody of Bob Ross. And it just, it was not right. Right. Um, I don't know. There's, there's something that I, I, I sort of intuitively, I just always see the, I see like every Owen Wilson performance as having a melancholic underbelly to it. I agree with you. And which is why his his suicide attempt was mm-hmm. just so like mm-hmm. devastatingly uh, out of yeah it was that was uh, quite something but that's um, always painful to to know uh, yeah when it yeah. when it makes the news yeah yeah but like the more times I've seen Bottle Rocket the sadder uh, it it becomes like that stuff really comes to the fore mm-hmm. um, and. And I was, you know, I think I picked up on things in in his performance in in paint that way that I think made me see his his treatment of his coworkers a little bit differently than some folks did. Um, 
but I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm going to try to get you to give it another chance. I'm, I don't, I'm not somebody that wants to argue about whether it's good or not. Yeah, I'll I just say that. that yeah, I don't know. It worked for me. It, it, I argue it with one me. person, and his name is yeah. Alfonso Durell. Yeah. <laughs> and it, you know, and it makes for entertaining discussions of film. <laughs> you know, it's the you know the Siskel and Ebert uh, structure. You know, they're gonna argue about it, yeah. and, and that's fine. You know, I my my friends have always told me that one of the things that is that they love about me is I want to understand why it is that I like what I like. Mm-hmm. I don't need to convince you to like right. it, right? But I like interrogating it for myself and 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 figuring out what it is that's 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 uh, resonating with me so that's the pleasure of participating in any sort of cultural uh, product you know you when you read a book and you you like it or you don't like it you are if you're not asking yourself why do i feel this way then you're not experiencing it fully mm-hmm. and it goes for music it goes for films it goes for you know anything that you encounter uh, as a cultural output in the world that's one of the things i really liked about asteroid city is it is it interrogates that experience it and with i think the the central question that that jason schwartzman's character as the actor talking to the playwright within the movie is saying <laughs> i don't understand why my character is doing what he's doing i i don't understand what this means and he says, you don't, you don't need to understand, just keep doing it. Like, like right. there is meaning in the doing. And, and I think that's as true of making art as it is of experiencing art. And some, sometimes not, not caring as much about plot details and just hanging with the the vibes of it, letting it wash over you, having the experience of it. Uh, that alone has value and can be a, a, a truly transcendent, meaningful experience, whether you understand how they got from point A to point B and why this character needed to do this or that. Uh, to me, that's that's secondary and are things that I pick up as I rewatch things and and go through yeah. them again. But but, you know, that that there's meaning in in just the, the creating and just interacting with something uh purposefully uh to be creative and to experience creativity um that yeah that one ended up being at this point my 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 favorite of the year Um, oh what did you think of it dave asteroid city asteroid city i loved it i loved it it's so complex and there's so much happening that you can't even you can't even get all of it (laughs) in one uh, uh, in one go. And I know that people uh, who don't care for Wes Anderson's uh, aesthetic talk about his films as though that's all they are. And and what I think is really happening in his films is he's using all of these, you know, stylistic uh, uh, approaches to that are that are as he as he becomes as he makes more and more films his world becomes on screen becomes more and more artificial you get you see more and more that you're watching a film you know mm-hmm. you're seeing this this you're seeing a set you're seeing stage direction you're seeing the short films that are on Netflix right now they they employ the same uh stuff yeah. as asteroid city and so 
the the more artificial the the visuals become, I think the deeper he's trying to dig into uh, the emotional component of his characters. I agree with he's that. Using one, he's using one to bring out the other. I think. I think for some people, it 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 just has an a, an opposite effect where they find that it's creating enough distance, distance that it yeah. breaks their suspension of disbelief right. or whatever. And yeah. I guess for me, it's like, well, yeah, I don't know if suspension well, of disbelief is a thing I ever necessarily had <laughs> with with this. Like, I know, like he's dealing with this artifice and all that, but I'm on board with what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, those yeah. shorts were were excellent as as well, and mm-hmm. watching mm-hmm. those made me think how incredible it would be if he actually uh, uh, di- directed a play that would be repeatedly performed that you could go see. Like, clearly, the guy loves stage direction and blocking, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> not enough directors care about blocking yeah. these days, <laughs> and and he really does. So, yeah, you will hit that mark. absolutely um those are a few of your picks for the year i'm wondering about maybe uh some christmas picks i know you and alonzo love desk set in particular and i i got around to watching Uh, that last year yeah desk set is uh, an annual film in our yeah um because it's about uh smart funny people who work in a library (laughs) and (laughs) And and uh, Alonso does another podcast called Breakfast All Day, and one of the they do film and television, and they are watching uh, or recently finished watching season two of The Morning Show. I don't know if either one of you guys watched that show. I um, saw season and, one, but it is such a, it's a show about people who are vicious backstabbing <laughs> people who work at a TV network, and. And desk set is also about people who work at a TV network. Now they work in a, the research library, but they work at a TV network. And he was talking about the morning show one day, just listing all the terrible things all the characters are doing to each other. And I was like, what if it were like desk set though? They could just <laughs> like have nice coffee breaks and Christmas parties and be fun and nice to each other. And, uh, uh, why can't more workplace uh, shows be like desks? Uh, be so, more blue yeah, tile. We are. We yes, yes. <laughs> uh, needs to have much more mid-century uh, style and detailing. The, the era when everything looked amazing and life was uh-huh. terrible for lots of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, everybody had had uh, some degree of alcoholism. Um. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Is it unless you were a a a, a well off white man, your life sucked. But it looked great. <laughs> really did, really did. Um, yeah the 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 you know early room size computers in that look phenomenal as well. Um, yeah, every yeah. year I try to find some Christmas movies that I haven't yet seen. I I don't get into the the Hallmark side of things. Um, and, and you shouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I believe that there's got to be some that I would enjoy, but there's just such a huge pile of them, and and the the production process that doesn't tend to be focused on trying to create 
uh, timeless art. Um, I, I struggle with wanting to dip my toes right. into that at all. Um, it feels no similar to CCM. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do try to try to find uh, new Christmas movies every year to show my kids uh, or, you know, watch with my wife. You know, a lot of Christmas movies that are under the radar are horror movies. Um, but last year's <laughs> right, big hit right, right. Uh, is uh, The Great Rupert. Have you seen The Great Rupert with Jimmy Durante? I don't know that one. And uh, it's 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 Jimmy Durante and a stop motion squirrel that the the special effects are done by what is what is the name? It's one of the most George Pal. So George George Pal did uh, all sorts of early special effects for. What is it? Uh, the Time Machine, Tom Thumb, the Brothers Grimm, you know, var- various Whoa. stop motion stuff. He was an early guy doing that. Uh, and this is about a down on their luck family of of circus acrobats who move into uh, a, a basement apartment of a place and uh, a a trained squirrel that one of their friends was was working with and had to release uh ends up finding a place to live above them and the their their landlord is is uh hiding money in the wall um from uh an an oil uh investment or something that he's getting and as he puts it in the wall the the squirrel gets it out of his burrow and like flings it down uh, at the same moment that uh, the matriarch of the family is praying for help from God. These dollars start Hmm. flying down from the ceiling and they think that they're being given money from God. And it happens regularly and they start using it to uh, do wonderful things for the community, help, help struggling local businesses and all this stuff. And uh, Jimmy Durante has a great little, song that he that he performs and that which is actually how i found out about it a friend sent me a a christmas mix that had the song that he plays uh on there and i'd never heard of the movie so i looked it up and checked it out and and it was it was a it was a lot of fun um that you don't get a lot of shots of the stop motion squirrel but every time you do, it's it's uh, funny and charming, and and so I recommend that one, the Great Rupert. I'll have to check that out. I have never even heard of that, so I don't even know if Alonzo's seen it. So you may have stumped the band. I'll, yeah, I'll it wasn't in his book. It wasn't in his book, and I'd seen like no, I don't think majority of the ones in his book. You know, I love the Holly and the Ivy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I already mentioned yeah. the 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 silent partner. Yeah, lots. Uh, his book is great, and there's stuff in there I still need to get to. Um, but yeah, that's my recommendation. Well, listeners, that book is called "Have Yourself a Movie Little Christmas." You should absolutely. buy it because he it needs is some royalties. And can we talk about uh, you and and Alonzo recently were working on a project together? I believe you weren't weren't you writing a book? That uh, has not yet come out. It was wasn't there something a writing oh, project like, of oh, some kind? Oh, 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 yes. Okay, so Alonzo, not me. Oh, okay, I thought I thought Alonzo, the two of you had something. Well, I I'll, I did help, but I'll explain how. 
Uh, he has a book coming out. It was just finished earlier this year. It's coming out in May of 2024. Uh, Turner Classic Movies and Running Press uh, have, uh, in recent years, they put out a book called uh, uh, Hollywood Black, which was the history of black cinema. And then they did a book called Viva Hollywood, a history of Latino representation in cinema. And so Alonzo for uh, the same, this is all under the auspices of Turner Classic Movies. Uh, he wrote a book for them earlier this year called Hollywood Pride, which is the history of LGBTQ representation in cinema. And so he wrote it and I was his uh, very mean, cruel uh, editor. Oh, and so no. uh, I, I read that book about three times in a row and each time i was like not this this do something different fix that and invariably the commentary i would return get from him and return was you're so mean to me you're the meanest critic you're the meanest <laughs> editor of anyone i've ever worked with and i'm like too bad fix it <laughs> And that's marriage. Demand greatness. Yeah, yeah I mean, it'd be worse. You know, I mean, you're no, you're no David Zaslav, uh, which you know. I'm ashamed that but, I share a name with that guy. That's how gross he is. Sorry, we keep bringing up Dave's here, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I mean, we, when you mentioned like this is through TCM, I'm like, is TCM going to be around much longer? Well, let's hope and pray. Let's lift it up, shall we? <laughs> Absolutely. That yeah. seems like a good way to go out here. Everybody yeah. keep TCM in your in your thoughts and prayers. Uh, <laughs> if if you're a Nielsen household, just keep it on. Yeah. Just just turn the yeah. channel to that and don't turn your TV off. Yep. And leave uh, it on 24-7. Yep. That's kind of the what we guy do in anyway charge in of it, house, living so. or dying, doesn't seem to understand why it exists. So, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> we will oh, see. Uh, well, Dave, thank you so much for for coming on the show. You, it, we were going to do it last night, and life happened, and it's amazing that we were able to make it happen exactly 24 hours later i'm very Um, pleased and very happy to have been asked uh so thanks for having me yeah on honor to have you on i mean one quick closing question the name of your podcast that you and alonzo have yes uh where did that come from um back in uh what year was it sometime in the 2000s uh, the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters was released. <laughs> we both went to the press screening and we both loved it. And the film begins with the metal band Mastodon uh, performing a song uh, that is being performed by uh, Concession Treats. It is a a parody of the old let's all go to the lobby and have ourselves a snack kind of thing where the, the popcorn's dancing and singing. So this is, you know, like popcorn and nachos and whatever, but they're a metal band and they are performing uh, a song written by Mastodon. Uh, and and the guy, is a, it's a death metal vocal, so it's very cookie monster-ish. And the, 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 the lyrics are written at the bottom of the screen. This is in the film. Uh, and the lyrics are like, don't talk, watch. Uh, do you have a crying baby? Take that crying baby and throw it out in the street. If you talk, 
or or disrupt this film in any way, we will cut off your lips with a linoleum knife. And when we were coming up with a name for the podcast, uh, I said, I don't want us to be like the popcorn guys or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't want it to be, I didn't want anyone to to see the name of the podcast and say, oh, another movie podcast. Who needs that? No one needs that. There are too many. What I decided was we need something that sounds intriguing, perhaps menacing, but that will make people ask, what is it? So then we get a chance to tell them what it is. And I think I think it was kind of a cool uh, decision on our part. So we called it and linoleum the spin-off knife. names. The spinoff names work a lot better. You know, linoleum knife and fork yeah. works a lot better than the popcorn guys and fork. Right, exactly. When we got a <laughs> Patreon going and we decided we were going to add other podcasts to it that were sort of determined by listeners, really. Uh, we added uh, one that was just us talking about a very old movie for about, you know, 30 minutes. So we called that one Linoleum Knife Presents More Linoleum Knife, which I I enjoy the length <laughs> of that name. Yeah. Uh, we do a TV podcast called LKTV. We do a podcast about food uh, called Linoleum Knife and Fork. And then we do one that's called Linoleum Nights, which is the only one where we uh, uh, speak like the R-rated adults that we really are and talk about <laughs> all the things that we might not talk about on linoleum knife because people are driving around listening to it with their little kids, you know? So that one always just makes me think of the difference between Baywatch and Baywatch nights. Well, so I think of it as that's the <laughs> one where Dave and Alonzo like solve crimes when not doing their day jobs. We solve crimes in bikinis. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Dave, it was great to talk to you again. And thank you so much for coming on the VCW pod. Thank you. And let us know whenever you're ready for linoleum knife to cover jingle smells. That's oh. never going to happen. But we would have you on for so, literally any other reason but that. <laughs> I'd love to. All right. Dave one. Dave L. Yes, that's me. Or it could be Dave two. Uh, you know, with with the the great presence of Dave White that we just had in the VCW. I I, I can be Dave two. Okay. Wow. <laughs> not very it's not very alpha of you Dave. no yeah i'm not i'm not very alpha in general never wanted to be yeah uh you know they, they say that that whole alpha beta thing in, in in wolves is not present in the wild anyways it's it only comes about uh in captivity or something like that oh um, okay so yeah it's all based on on stuff that's not true um yeah so let's see this is going to be this episode is going to be coming out the 28th okay so dave and i just recorded a, a patreon episode and if you if you listen to that if you sign up uh, you can hear us talk about our hundredth episode that we have booked our guest for. We're going to be interviewing them on the day after this comes out on the 29th. 
Um, it's a very big deal. Uh, I am extremely excited and uh, not going to lie, nervous um, to be speaking with this person. And I hope it goes well. It's 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 a really big deal. Like, it's a big enough deal for me that if I didn't love doing the show, it could be like 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 when uh, George Costanza tells a good joke at work, and he's just like, "All right, <laughs> not gonna top that. I'm going out. Bye." <laughs> um, yeah, I could shut the whole podcast down after having this guest on. I'm not gonna do that because Th- those are those are big words right there. They are, but it it does it feels like one of those like everything has built up to this sort of things to me. Okay. Um. So that that is to say, I hope you listen. I hope you enjoy. And we, the week of our hundredth episode dropping, we are going to be having a co-podcast get-together meetup meetup would be the word um with our previous guest scott akimoto and his chapel probation podcast the two of us the two shows are going to be having a a meetup in in uh in the seattle area at drumlin in shoreline at seven o'clock on thursday december 7th yeah, uh, we would love to see you out there. Um, yeah, I think all of Scott's you Seattle gonna... area people. Yeah, Scott told me that the analytics say that Seattle is his, is his number two um, area of listenership or whatever. So hopefully, there's yeah, there's okay. folks that come out uh, that listen to his show and folks that come out to listen to ours. I think he he might read a little from his book. He'll he'll have books on hand uh, you can sign whatever um i don't know maybe i'll bring copies of my record to sell um you should i hadn't thought of that until this very moment um <laughs> but yeah december 7th 7 p.m drumlin in shoreline um would be lovely to see you all there celebrating our 100th episode celebrating that uh scott happens to be in town and he's a buddy so it's a great excuse to get together. <laughs> It'll be great to see Scott. I've never met Scott in person. Just just talk with him over Zoom a couple of times. So unlike Zach, who has been to his house I have in, in California. Yeah. Um, so it'll be great to meet him in person. So I gotta run here, but uh this has been another episode of Veterans and Culture Wars. Thank you so much for listening to us. Please leave a rating and a review wherever you like to get podcasts as that helps others find the show. You can go to BCW Pod on Patreon and please support the show. We work hard to book guests and read books and come up with questions and all of that. We would appreciate any support you guys can give. Uh, go to the X Twitter app. You can go to our show, our show Twitter, whatever it is now, at CW Pod. I'm at Dave J. Lester. Zach is at Muzak, M-U-Z-A-C-H. And you can go to Zach's website that has his aforementioned records for sale, Christmas records, uh, muzak.bandcamp.com. You can listen to my second podcast, Does the Bible Say That? Uh, wherever fine podcasts are sold. That's how you pronounce it? 
I wasn't sure if it was like, does the Bible say that? Actually, yeah, I, I, I wanted to come up with a title that it you can do any kind of intonation for. And sometimes I'll, on the show, I'll do different intonations. Oh, okay. That's, yeah. that's how it is in my head. Yeah, I was thinking about calling it, does the Bible say what? And that's, <laughs> that's been already taken. Oh, okay, okay. Um, well, thank you for coming on down to the BCW. As always, the podcast is free. We still need to tie through. So.